Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. This week, we're going to take a look back at the music world in 2020. Of course, COVID had such a big bearing on what happened, but so much else happened as well. So we're going to concentrate more on that because you've already heard most of the COVID stories, but we will cover a few as we get going here. First of all, most recently in November, there was a big fire at AKM Semiconductor in Japan. This company actually supplies chips, mostly DACs and ADCs, to SSL and Tascam and RME and all sorts of other audio companies. There's no timeline on when this is going to get back up and running, and that scares a lot of audio manufacturers. So as a result, what's been going on is all of those chips that are already on the market have really skyrocketed in price. So you may find that some of your favorite hardware pieces are going to be more expensive in the coming year until this gets under control. Speaking of fires, earlier in the year, Apollo Masters, one of only two places in the world that make lacquer masters for vinyl cutting, also went up in flames. This is a big, big factory in Banning, California. The big problem is that vinyl lacquers are vitally important to making vinyl. There's only one other place in the world that's left, and that's MDC in Japan. And it turns out that MDC is kind of a specialty factory. So as a result, they're at capacity already. Now, most mastering engineers already had plenty in stock. So that hasn't affected anything this year. But in the coming year, we may find that that's going to be a problem. So until there's some replacement for Apollo Masters, and there's no guaranteeing that that's going to happen, at least in California, there may be trouble getting new vinyl on the market. And speaking of vinyl, earlier this year, Rainbow Records closed. Yes, the Los Angeles factory has been around for 80 years. It's been the place where indies went. If you wanted to actually create some vinyl and you weren't tied to a label already, you can go and you can get it pressed there. Now, they made it through all sorts of recessions. They made it through all sorts of technology changes. But what finally caught up to them wasn't COVID because this happened pretty much prior to COVID. It was actually the cost of doing business. California is really expensive, first of all. But second of all, there's environmental laws that make it very difficult to do anything that has to do with an oil-based product like vinyl is. So once again, they closed. That doesn't mean that the capacity is gone because all the presses as well as the name has been bought by United Records in Nashville. Guitar Center's in the news again, not for the right things as well. First of all, the company laid off 9,000 people. This was more of a result of COVID than anything else. But even prior to that, the company has been in trouble. Guitar Center has managed to actually get out from under bankruptcy several times in the past, but they finally succumbed just recently. First of all, in the beginning of the year, their credit rating was downgraded and downgraded again. So they're having a hard time getting credit. Finally, what happened was they declared bankruptcy. Now, it isn't as bad as it seems because all the stores remained open, even through COVID. And when it's all said and done, they're a little bit healthier in that they cut $800 million in debt. 
So we'll see what happens going forward. In the meantime, there are some suppliers that are actually not using Guitar Center anymore. For instance, Rickenbacker dumped Guitar Center, so you can no longer go to GC to buy a Rick. And speaking of Rickenbacker and guitars, they're really selling like hotcakes again. It was just three years ago that guitar sales pretty much hit their lowest ebb. Now, here we go, back again, highest ever. As a matter of fact, Fender says that this was the best year they've ever had, while Martin, Taylor, and Gibson all have had months that have exceeded their highest as well. Fender's also in the news for a couple of other reasons. First of all, the company stopped using ash. Ash bodies were kind of a staple since the company came into existence. The problem is that it's very difficult to get now. Once upon a time, Leo Fender used ash because it was very easy and, most of all, cheap to get. Now it's just flipped, where the company's been using alder for bodies for the past number of years now ash is very difficult to get for one reason the bark beetle has really decimated ash forests so we won't be seeing ash at fender anytime soon and speaking of fender again the company has a new owner it's servco pacific they've been one of the investors of fender since the 50s the company's interesting because it was actually a dealer for fender starting out as a small group of stores in Hawaii, and now has grown to become the owner. They recently acquired all of the shares from a company called TPG Growth. Once again, this is nothing new, as Surfco has been part of Fender for 50 years or more, so it's business as usual. This came as a shock. Sony is de-emphasizing its electronics, especially its audio electronics. It's a shock because Sony has been known for really great high-end audio gear, and they've been innovative. Just think about the Walkman and the CD player and so many other things like that. Well, they've decided that they're better off being a software services company, they're better off being a digital distributor than manufacturing electronics. So they've already begun to close down some of their plants in Malaysia that specialize in audio products. We'll see if that actually extends to video and television products as well. And Malaysia is also in the news because a lot of manufacturing is moving out of China. In fact, it's going to both Vietnam and Malaysia. The reason why is China's getting more expensive. And so far, for audio companies anyway, Vietnam and Malaysia are kind of like the way China was about 10 years ago. So expect to see more of your audio gear coming out of those countries. Red Bull decided to close its 11 studios. Yes, Red Bull Studios, all 11 of them, situated in major cities all over the world, have closed. Now, this was not due to COVID. This actually happened before COVID. As a matter of fact, Red Bull announced it was ending all of its music projects and events, so it was cutting back even before COVID had hit. Well, since we're on the subject of COVID, let's talk about that a little bit. What happened was, instead of live concerts, which were not possible, we got drive-in concerts and live stream concerts. It turns out that they're not all that lucrative unless your name is BTS. So what artists are finding is that the production expenses, if they're lucky, are just about break-even. So we may not be seeing these too much in the future, although they may kind of morph into something else. 
So we'll see. We'll talk more about that next week. Now, speaking of live stream concerts, what started to happen for a while in the beginning of COVID was we'd start to see all these bands that were getting together online and playing one of their songs. And it looked like they're all collaborating together. In fact, those are fakes. So what happens is one person kind of puts it together with the click track, sends it out to everybody else, and someone edits it up so it looks like you're all playing at the same time. So don't be taken in by that. There's still no software, there's still no app that will allow you to play together in perfect real time. Vinyl was really big, surprisingly enough, in 2020. Record Store Day was actually split to three separate weekends, kind of spread out throughout the year. And they were a huge success one more time, so much so that vinyl sales are actually higher than CD sales for the first time ever. Now, one can only hope that the lacquer situation will be straightened out soon, so this will continue. We talked about live concerts not being possible, and of course, that's really decimated clubs everywhere. And let's face it, clubs have been in trouble for a really long time. This is a result of taxes. It's a result of higher insurance rates. It's a result of gentrification that's happening in areas that were formerly cheap to have a club in. So venues were hurting even before COVID. Now, that being said, the UK has granted aid to all the venues. UK has been very forward-looking, and even before COVID, had begun an outreach program, at least in London, to save their clubs. Now, since COVID and since all the problems, they've actually extended tax relief and funds to keep them going when everything should come back to normal. That hasn't happened in the United States yet, unfortunately. Now, even though the venues got together into an association called Save Our Stages, Congress has not yet granted aid. We were hoping that this would happen soon, and it still might by the end of the year. But that being said, it's looking pretty dismal. Now, we'll talk more about this next week when I give you my predictions about what's going to happen. But for now, no one quite knows who's going to be open and who's not as we start to get back to normal. Now, there is some other relief that's happening, and this is a bill in Congress called HITS. It's for production tax relief. So in other words, it's going to give you a big tax credit as to all of your production costs for making an album. This is already happening in television. It's already happening in film, but not in music. So hopefully this will pass. Now, it should be said that Iceland has just offered pretty much the same thing. If you go to Iceland to record your album, they're going to give you 25% of the money back. Now, why would you go to Iceland? I did some research and I found out that there were actually seven major studios there. And when I say major studios, it's a studio that's every bit as good as what you might find in London or LA. Orchestras and opera companies were already in trouble prior to COVID. COVID has hit them particularly hard. So as a result, What ended up happening is many orchestras and opera companies have cut pay to their musicians by up to 25%. But that goes beyond that, too. It's everybody on the stage crew as well, and unions definitely don't want to give anything back. But they have because they know that they have to at this point. So what's going to happen is if you had a job as a orchestra musician, you're going to be paid a whole lot less for the next four or five years. It was a big year in the courts especially when it came to copyright suits. I think one of the biggest was the Stairway to Heaven suit. 
Now, you may have been following this over the last five years. The estate of Randy Wolf. Randy Wolf was the guitar player and singer for Spirit, had sued Led Zeppelin over Stairway to Heaven, claiming that the opening riff was copied. So this went through various courts, and the rulings went one way or the other. Finally, after Led Zeppelin had prevailed, the Wolf estate took their plea to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court refused to hear it, though. That's the end of it. So Stairway to Heaven will still stay with Led Zeppelin. There won't be any additional writers or royalties paid out to the Wolf estate as a result. We've been seeing all sorts of interesting plagiarism lawsuits come out over the last four or five years, and the rulings don't always seem to make sense. So a lawyer and a programmer got together, and they copyrighted every melody possible and put it on a hard drive. That's 68.7 million tunes, all via MIDI. And you might think, wow, that's a horrible thing for an attorney to do. However, the attorney is also a musician and decided this would actually work in favor of all writers. So he put it into the public domain to possibly end all frivolous plagiarism lawsuits in the future. We'll see how that turns out. Speaking of lawsuits, the Universal Music Vault Fire lawsuit was finally dismissed. Now, if you remember, back about 10 years ago, there was a big fire on the Universal Pictures lot. And what happened was the building that burned down was actually the vault for all of Universal Music. And they lost millions and millions of tapes. So there's a lot of artists that were really upset about this, obviously. Universal kept on saying, don't worry about it because a lot of these tapes that we lost were actually backups. And don't worry because we have digitized backups for everything anyway. So the suit has been going on and on and back and forth. Finally, it's been dismissed. Probably won't come back up again. Universal won. It was an interesting year for social media and for social streaming. TikTok continues to be huge. TikTok is probably the talk of social media this year. There was no less than seven hits, seven major global hits that came out of TikTok. So if there's an action, there's always a reaction. And now we see YouTube and Instagram come out with their own versions of TikTok and also a TikTok supposedly killer called Triller that's come out. So far, none of these have gained a lot of traction. So TikTok continues to be the talk of the music industry. We'll see how long that lasts. Of course, the big thing with TikTok this year was the lawsuit between the United States government and TikTok. TikTok is Chinese-owned, and there was much speculation that the Chinese government was actually collecting all sorts of data on TikTok users, especially from the United States. This may be true, may not be true. There's no evidence, although the Chinese government does have their fingers in just about every company. But the United States government gave TikTok several dates by which it had to sell its United States operations. Whether this was legal or not was never determined. But after the election, the Trump administration kind of forgot about the whole thing. So I never thought this was going to go that far anyway. And the Chinese government was basically going to say, hey, do whatever you want. We're going to keep going regardless. So it was never going to be sold to an American company no matter what. We'll see what the new year brings. Now here's something interesting in this whole TikTok thing. Tencent, also a Chinese company, has bought into a lot of major music companies. 
Specifically, Spotify owns about 10%, and Universal, which owns about 10%, and guess what? It's going to buy another 10%. So think about this. Having a record label that actually owns a streaming network. Actually, it's not that far-fetched, because most of the major labels own pieces of Spotify already. Surprisingly, streaming numbers dropped during COVID, and dropped a lot, by about 15%. Now, they've come back since then, but they're still down over last year. Why did this happen? Well, no commuting, for one. And as a result, people are starting to think, well, wait a second, have we hit peak streaming? Is it never going to get any better? That being said, in the United States, there are now 120 million streaming subscribers. That's paying subscribers every month. Speaking of streaming, Google Play, the streaming network from Google, finally ended its life and everything was moved over to YouTube Music. Google Play was always confusing. There's actually several streaming services that Google had. You can never figure out which was which and why they were there and what exactly you should be doing. That being said, YouTube Music is beginning to catch on. There's 30 million paid subscribers and they keep on getting more and more. Now, considering COVID and everything, you'd think that radio is actually thriving. Not so much the case. Radio is kind of hanging on. Now it's taking most of its cues as far as what kind of music it's playing from the streaming networks. That being said, CHR, which is Contemporary Hits Radio, and that's the radio format that's playing whatever happens to be current, that's way, way down in terms of listenership. However, what's up is classic rock and classic hits. And those formats are actually getting bigger and bigger amongst 18 to 34 year olds. So I think that's sort of a statement on what they think of today's music. It's hard to think about radio without thinking about Billboard. They've always been sort of tied to the hip. Billboard really shook up his charts this year. The reason why was there's a lot of people that were complaining that Billboard was kind of left behind in terms of you couldn't really understand what the charts were actually measuring. They used to measure sales, but sales are no longer important. So a few years ago, they began to measure streaming, began to measure YouTube views, as well as sales and downloads and everything like that. And now they've also incorporated social media. So now we're starting to see charts that are giving an overall view of exactly how popular an artist is, rather than being based on just sales or streams. Discovery Network started the year in the bullseye of all of its composers. The reason why is it stated that it was no longer going to give composers back-end royalties. And for the most part, it wasn't even going to pay the going rate for music compositions for its television shows. This is one time where it really helps for composers to be united. And in this case, they managed to get Discovery to roll that back. So now, kind of back to where we were before. Composers get paid when they make the product, and they get paid later on, too, when people watch it. AI, artificial intelligence, yeah, it's going everywhere. We're seeing it in new plugins, for instance. Plugins are smart. It's kind of nice. But we're seeing it in A&R, where used to be an A&R person was listening closely to the street to what's happening. Now they're watching algorithms. This is actually working somewhat because it's predicting way ahead of time 
if an artist is going to be popular or not. Now, we're talking mostly on recorded music. This doesn't say anything for an artist who's never performed before, and as we all know, there's a lot of those out there now. It used to be that you had to gain your chops performing live before anything else happened in terms of recorded music. Now it's kind of flipped on its ear. Speaking of AI, artificial intelligence put 50 DJs out of a job at iHeartRadio. So instead of DJs selecting music, they figured, well, you know what? We'll get the bot to do it. 50 DJs gone as a result. One of the things that's been good for the music business, not so much for the gaming industry, is the fact that gamers have been trying to avoid paying royalties on music for a long time. One of the reasons why is that it really hasn't been enforced until this year. Now the music industry is getting hot and heavy with Twitch. So recently, there were huge numbers of Twitch videos that were taken down from the service because of using music that wasn't licensed. So we'll see what happens there. I think this is good because artists and composers deserve to be paid. This is something that gamers never considered. Now they're going to have to. On a sad note, this past year, we lost two giants of the industry. Bruce Houdin, who is known as the godfather of recording, he went back to Count Basie, Duke Ellington, and all the way up through Michael Jackson and more. Just made the best records no matter what. Bruce passed away recently. Also, Martin Birch. Martin Birch was one of the designers of hard rock. And if you listen back to any English hard rock from the 70s and early 80s, that was Martin Birch at the helm. He also passed away this year. Technologically speaking, there are also a number of events that were worth noting. Universal Audio came out with their digital audio workstation called Luna. Now, one of the things that people have been looking at for a while has been, what is going to replace Pro Tools? And Pro Tools is the de facto standard, not only in music, but also in anything that has to do with picture. It's a Pro Tools world, at least for professionals. However, at least when it comes to music, that's kind of tenuous. I felt for quite a while that Pro Tools can fall by the wayside very quickly when something new and hopefully better and slicker came out and replaced it. Well, Universal Audio's Luna came out, and it was supposed to be a Pro Tools killer. In fact, it is a very nice workstation and really does a lot. However, it hasn't really gotten any converts. Most of the people that know Pro Tools and use it every day basically said, mm, I'm not really into learning something new when I know this so well. And it still works pretty well, too. So Luna may be better off getting brand new users who don't have a lot of experience at workstations. That being said, that's a very, very crowded area with already Cubase with millions of users, Studio One with millions of users, Logic with millions of users, and quite a number of others as well. So if Luna does catch on, it's going to do it slowly. It's not going to be the Pro Tools killer that everyone had expected. An interesting debut at NAM last year was MIDI 2.0. MIDI has been pretty much the same for the last 30 years since it was created. It hasn't changed really at all. But now we see the first iteration into a new modern digital format. MIDI 2.0 is backwards compatible. It has high resolution timing, and that's the big thing that everybody was complaining about. And you're starting to see it seep into brand new products. So before you know it, it's going to be a MIDI 2.0 world without us really realizing it. And finally, 
Apple came out with its brand new M1 processor. And the reason why that's significant is the fact that it's a system on the chip, where before you had different subsystems everywhere that you can find within the computer. Now it's all within this one piece of silicon called the M1. Also has RAM built in. Now what that means is you can't upgrade it later like you can now, but in fact it's really, really fast. So we haven't seen a lot of the major workstations actually work with it yet. Of course, Logic does because it's an Apple product, but Pro Tools certainly isn't. That being said, there's a translation app that's built in called Rosetta 2 that seems to run everything fairly well with no problems. I have one of the new laptops myself with the M1 chip in. I have to say, it is bloody fast. So if that's what the future of computer looks like, I think we're going to be in very good shape in the coming years. So that's a look back on 2020. It was a momentous year in many, many ways. Most of us are thankful that it's over, but 2021 is already looking up, and hopefully it's going to be way better than what we just experienced. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyownercircle.com, or you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyownercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-in form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. Bye.